hey, by the way, you're gonna be the featured fight on the main card on your first fight in the UFC that you just took two weeks ago. Super crazy. I went back to who I was when I first got out of prison when nobody believed in me. I didn't have anything. And I was just an ex-convict that was trying to be something different. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And nobody gives a shit, dude. You're only as good as your last fight. And you can screw this up. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Adaptive Leaders Podcast. Today, we have a first on this podcast. I've got two special guests. Not just one, but two. We've got... And one of our guests is actually a repeat. So... Interesting guests. We're here in Las Vegas, away uh, from Utah, and we've got Mitch Ramirez back for the second time, and his lovely girlfriend, uh, <laughs> Cynthia Calvillo. What's up, guys? Thanks for coming on the podcast. Happy to be here. Thank yeah. you for having us. Happy to be back. Sweet. So I want to uh, introduce my audience to you, Cynthia. Uh, I think your story is phenomenal. Tell us a little bit about your, your background. Um, I'm originally from San Jose, California. Um, I'm first generation here in the U.S. My parents are from Mexico. I am the youngest of four and didn't grow up in the best neighborhood, probably in Eastside San Jose. Um, it was a little rough there. Like you definitely grow up with like a chip in your shoulder and, uh, I somehow, you know, being in a bad relationship when I was in high school, just like not having maybe the best like guidance, um, ultimately led me into fighting, you know, and I can, mm -hmm. you know, get into it a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, I somehow made it to become a professional fighter, which I never thought that I would have. Uh, my parents definitely didn't think that I was going to get to that. They thought I was a little bit crazy. Thought I was going through a phase, you know, I was going through like a really hard time in my life. And they're like, dude, just get it out of your system. Whatever you need mm -hmm. to do, just get it out of your system. And lo and behold, you know, it took me all the way to the UFC. So I was like, definitely, you know, I've, I've been living the dream for the last like couple of years, you know, beyond my wildest dream. And, it's, and it all just started with me just trying to get myself into a better place, trying to kind of like save me, you know, uh, I would definitely say that fighting saved my life um it it is my therapy you know until this day you know yeah. and so i'm so grateful and i feel blessed every day that i get to you know train and i still get to do this to this day and you're you've been a pro fighter for how many years uh, i've been a pro fighter now for about seven and a half years yeah and, and would you say that you were uh a trailblazer in the sport in the UFC, like for the women's division? oh yeah i mean uh, absolutely i was probably the second generation in the strawweight division um <laughs> that in itself was so crazy. I mean, it took me, it was a long journey to turn, to become a professional. I had like, I had injuries uh, where I had to sit out for like three years one time before I tried to make my pro debut. And I'm telling you, everybody, the doctors, my parents, they're like, dude, time is passing you by. You started the sport late and you keep getting injured. I was like, you haven't even made your pro debut. I was like, I don't, I don't know what you're doing here. You know, like you might be wasting your time, but I said, you know, F you. I yeah. I know inside of my heart that I this is where I belong. I can do this. Yeah. So uh, I made my professional debut, and within six months, I got into the UFC, which is unheard of. Right. And when super I, crazy. And when you get into you know you I got into UFC with minimal experience compared to other professionals, and on top of that, like I got the call on two weeks' notice on Valentine's Day. Um, I was working at the Cheesecake Factory, <laughs> and I just like remember like man like. Dude, I'm really not looking forward to this day. 
I don't even have a boyfriend. I'm not going to deal with all these girls that are out there and wine and dine, you know, everybody in a bad mood. I was just like, whatever, you know, I got to do this. And um, as I was driving to work, I got a DM on Instagram from the UFC matchmaker, which I thought I was like, dude, that has to be a fake account. Like, there's no way. Right. There's no way that the, the matchmaker is going to hit you up. On Instagram, it, you normally it's they, a DM. It's no, like. yeah, no, they're gonna hit up your manager because that's what you need. You know, you, they hit up your manager and see, you know, if you're available. No, I got this message on freaking Instagram, and he's like, "Do you want to fight in two weeks' notice against so and so?" And I was like, "Yes, yes, yes, yes. I hope this is true." You know, sorry, excuse my language. Oh no, you're good. Um, you're good. <laughs> Podcast. Huh? Yeah, just express yourself. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'd... He's like, "All right, well, it's a small possibility. He's like, we have a couple options." He's like, "I'll let let you know by tomorrow." And I went, I was, I started driving the wrong way to work, dude. I started going to the gym because I was just got so stoked and I was like, oh shit, I got to go to work. I, I still have to, you know, I, this is a small possibility, but the entire time I'm like working there and given like I'm, I was a bus girl and I was a host. Mm -hmm. So I was cleaning after people. I didn't want to deal with anybody's shit that day, you know, on Valentine's day, like by the end of the shift, Sean Shelby hit me up through Instagram again. And he's like, the fight's yours. And I was just like, I was mind blown. I was like, did I just, I just <laughs> made my professional debut That's so five cool. months ago. Yeah. And now they're asking me if I want to fight like through Instagram. Like I, this is, I've never heard of that before in my life. It was true. You know, the next day I got the email for the contract and I fought two weeks later. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a crazy story in itself. Too. Won that fight, then took another fight. Yeah, a month. but even but even like the first fight, let me tell you though. Okay. Even I showed up two weeks, you know, two weeks notice, made the way. I was supposed to be the first fight on the prelims, on fight past prelims. So so nobody really sees these fights. Like like Dana White's not even in the build in the arena yet. It was on the fight card. It was UFC two hundred nine, and Khabib was supposed to fight Ferguson. Khabib got sick. And so they're like, oh, you know, what fight are they going to put on the main main card? Surely they wouldn't put a debuter on the main <laughs> card. They're going to put some other buddy that has other experience in the UFC in the main card, you know, like from the prelims. Yeah. No, they said, hey, by the way, you're going to be the featured fight on the main card on your first fight in the UFC what? that you just took two weeks ago. That is super crazy. Wild. Went in there, freaking killed the girl in the first round, had one oh, of the yeah. best performances <laughs> in my life. Dana was just like, what the hell and dana took you know yeah. to my liking and then he was like really excited about me mm -hmm. calls me a week after my fight hey do you want to fight in the next pay-per-view in three weeks in ufc 210 oh damn yeah let's do it let's go i went in there got another finish and then my following fight was a couple months later in the summer fought number 15 in her backyard in scotland won that fight within being 10 months of professional, I was ranked number nine in the world. Like, that is a Top 10. Top 10. Listen, <laughs> I, I've heard this story yeah. many times, and yeah. I, you can't tell I'm still smiling, like, what the hell? Yeah. Every time she tells it, it's just from a professional standpoint of somebody that isn't her, this is that and for those that aren't big fight fans who don't fully understand the sport, that's insane. Mm -hmm. Like, that's crazy. Like, it's, it's, it almost sounds like, like if I, it almost doesn't sound like a story I would believe almost. Like, it's Wait, that, why it's that crazy. Hopefully one day, but honestly, like, incredible story. Yeah, it's 100%. just it's just like you go from a point, a position where like I quit my job. I, I'm from in San Jose. I moved to Sacramento. Um, and when I told my parents I'm quitting my job to go be a professional fighter, they're like, 
yeah, no, they were, they were not happy at all, but they were going to support me, you know? And like, I never asked them for help financially either one way or another. I figured it out, you know, but like I spent three years in Sacramento before I could make my professional debut because I kept getting injured, like same injury over and over. I broke my forearm, broke it again, broke it again, broke it again. Hold, hold on. And Don't, you can't skip over that because that <laughs> is this. This is like a level of grit, persistence and, and you know, the greats call it obsession. Right. Oh, yeah. Because you didn't break your arm once, twice. You said three times to get to the the next level to become professional and to get to to right. where I knew where I belong. Where does that come from? I just made a commitment with myself. I made a commitment with myself that no matter what, that like I realize that I'm really good at something, and it's going to be hard no matter what. Whatever you decided to choose in life, you know what I mean. If you want to work at a bank, whatever, you might as well have the bad days chasing the things that you're really good at and that you love. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I just knew that like no matter what, even if it didn't, even if I didn't go there. Like the type of person that the type of commitment and discipline and grittiness that it takes to get to that level, like the type of growth that you get from it, like you, you, you can't help but like understand that you're going to be better off trying and putting everything in your heart and soul into something than, than settling on something else and having miserable do miserable days doing on something you settled on. Mm -hmm. You know, I started off late. I started at the age of 23. I had no prior athletic like experience or anything like that. And I'm over here like competing against people that have been training their whole freaking life, you know, and it's just mentality and it's heart. And I just knew no matter what, it's like one of the sayings that say, you know, like hard hard work beats talent when talent when talent doesn't work hard. There's a bunch of times where like sometimes like I didn't know the credentials or the the or the experience that some of my training partners had. And I would just go out there with my heart and I said, dude, I'm just I'm just gonna like I'm just gonna impose myself and just have heart and just keep moving forward and then like have the best best of them and like win these rounds and then they'd like later find out I was like, dude, this person's had like over a hundred competitions and something else. And I was like, dude, like I I didn't even know. So it's yeah. just like it's crazy how our own mental like fears and like knowing of like how like sometimes these dreams like scare you too big mm -hmm. and you think you can never attain them and so then you just like shelf yourself and then you know you, you, you just try. yeah you never even like learn anything you know and it's like you 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 have to just go for it i just like i made a commitment to myself and i said like no matter what like i'm gonna i'm gonna do this no matter what like and the lo and behold you know you get there it's true they say right before right before everything's like trying to tell you like hey turn around like time's against you you're a woman you know what i mean you started the sport late like i told my mom i said if i don't get into uc by the time i'm 30 then i quit then i won't do this i i don't i don't think i can like have a you know professional career in this like i i don't know and i got into the ufc three months before i turned 30 damn yeah that. yeah like literally right there yeah that's exactly that meme that you just had that picture of that guy that just, he's, he's going at it and then there's one guy below him that turns around he didn't he didn't see it through absolutely that's, that's phenomenal so um, uh, yeah. would you say that mentality is that the heart like you talk a lot about having heart right and you talk a lot about the um that mindset would you say that is that nature or nurture? Does that come from your parents or does that, is that in your DNA or did you learn that? I would say definitely is something that came from my parents. Like, you know, they, they struggled a lot to, to come here to the U S to like give themselves and our family a better opportunity because they didn't have, they didn't have the opportunity to dream and go for the things that they actually enjoyed or could never even like 
be able to like take those kind of risks because they needed to eat. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they couldn't they couldn't afford to follow their dreams and find the things that they're good. Because like for example, my mom's a great cook. Like you know, and I I wish you know now like her time's kind of like past. She doesn't really want to do that anymore. But if she would have done that when she was younger, she's one of the best cooks ever. Um, but like they did it. They sacrificed their you know their their livelihood, everything that they they could have done for for me and my brothers and sisters. You know, and um, to see them every day just wake up like you know, at five in the morning and just go to work. My mom never took a day off, even if she was sick, never seen her take a day off for if she was sick, but for her kids, that's the only time she missed time. You know what I mean? And so like, it, it's, it was different, but it was, I, I appreciated her. And I think that they both showed me a really good work ethic, but also at the same time, in the Mexican community, there's a lot of machismo. So you have a lot of the things where, like, the men work and the women, like, they work too. But we gotta, we also have other responsibilities of, like, you have to take care of the home. Yeah. Like, when, when the man gets home, you better, like, feed him right away. Yeah. You better have his tortillas ready. Everything, mm -hmm. you know, every day. You know, no matter what. And I remember when I was younger, I had, like, a really, really low self-esteem. And, like, I got in a, in a bad relationship with somebody when I was in high school. And they're very controlling, very abusive, even gotten physical with me at times. And that broke my self-confidence a lot. And, like, there's times where I think I try to tell my family, I try to tell my parents, and they're like, oh, you're just being hella dramatic, Cynthia, you know? And I, me being the youngest one, they always say that the youngest one's a crybaby, you know? Right. And so, like, I feel like they never took me serious when I would, like, mention to them. I was like, hey, like... I'm done in this relationship. Like, but they're like, yeah, right. So Jorona, yeah, Is that the name? yeah, Jorona. Yeah, and um, you said that that he he was physical. What do you mean? Yeah, like he would just like push me around. Like I remember times where like in high school, one time he like grabbed me by my hair. I was trying to walk away, pulled me back, sat me on my ass, and then like I went to the principal's office and tried to say something, and they they just called my parents. And when I told my parents, my parents just didn't believe me because like they've been around him before and he was like a sweet talker. Like he didn't really speak Spanish very well. He like tried to act like he spoke a little bit, but he was very mean and controlling. And like, yeah. he was just really good at persuading people. Like, you know what I mean? And so, um, he was two faced. Yeah. And so it, like, I felt crazy because in our town, so I was like, you know, I guess this, this is the way it's supposed to be. I decided, like, I was like, this is the way it's supposed to be. I've seen it with the other, like, in culturally wise too. Like, men do that to women a lot. Like, you know, and they're like, I guess that's just the way it's supposed to be. And, like. Is there, like, a moment or, like, a breaking point for you with that relationship? Oh, yeah. Like, this shit's not normal. Oh, no, it was bad. So, like, it got to the point where even after high school, like, uh. We actually ended up getting married. So he was in the, he joined the Marine Corps. I was going to community college and I decided to drop out of community college. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go support you because once you're government owned, you move wherever you're going to move. And he was in infantry. And like, ultimately, when they're going through stuff, you kind of like have to like deal with it because they're doing something that's really hard. And said, so, you know, they're America's heroes and stuff. And they go through a lot of, a lot of stuff physically and mentally, you know, just like what they have to do with on daily day to day basis on top of like, you know, going overseas. We got stationed in Hawaii, just went over there and this dude was just so controlling, but I just kept dealing with it. Like it was just so weird, but I was young. I was dumb. I was naive. I, I try to be vocal about it and, and my words didn't mean anything when I would cry. So I was just like, I, you know, like I said, it, it's, it's supposed to be that way. I remember he'd be, you know, overseas and I'd be working at like a, a Macy's store and like he would try to call me and I couldn't answer. And then he like when I finally talked to him, he'd be like, you know, what is your effing problem? Like when I call you, you need to answer. They need to understand that when I'm out here, you know what I mean? I was like, unfortunately, even though there is a lot of respect for a lot of the men and women that serve our country at the end of the day. 
the world doesn't stop going around. So if, if I have a job that I have to keep, like I can't answer all the time, but you know, he would get really upset with me and I was very heartbroken. And then when he'd come back in town, I'd have to quit my job because he just, he would go, he would go to the store and like follow and wait for me there and think that I'm like, you know, trying to cheat on him and stuff. And like, I remember I wanted to go to the gym and he's like, you're just trying to talk to other dudes, you know? And I'm like, I can't even do anything. Like I felt, I felt trapped, but I felt like that's the way it's supposed to be. And then I wanted to leave him. I moved back with my family in San Jose. Like, I was like, I'm just done. Like, you know, cause like, I remember even trying to tell on him that he was being physical with me in the military and they have this thing where brothers have their back. So mm. they kind of blamed it on me and said it was my fault. And I was like, I'm out of here. I get me off this base. Cause like, I have no protection. Like, like they, have each, they exactly. have each other's backs, you know what I mean? And so I went back with my parents and like gave it a couple months starts calling me again like hey sweet talks me and I'm like I was like fine you know you know you've been through a lot of stuff you did two tours you know overseas like you know been in the front line you've seen through some shit so I know you're going through a hard time like all right let's work it let's let's give it another another shot bring them into my family with my parents and like I said you know what you take your time looking for your job you already did four years in the in, in, you know in the Marine Corps um, you have four years reserved. Just take your time looking for your job. You, you know, been really, been really, really hard on you. I'm going to work for, I'm going to work. I have a job. So just take your time so that we can get our, you know, just get ourselves back on, you know, on our feet and like find our own place. Well, he took that time to go hook up with his best friend's little sister who is still in high school, 17, 17 years. So as soon as she turned 18, he just booked it. He left me. And I was just like, dude, you begged me to come back. Like, how are you going to like, tear me down I build myself a little bit gave you back in and you tear my ass back down again dude and like on the top of that like my family doesn't even know how bad you are you know how was, old were you at this point uh I was like 21 21 22 he actually served me with divorce papers at my parents house yeah like I wanted to leave him so many times but I guess I had to be on his terms you know at the end of the day he had it but it's okay because I got the last laugh no matter oh, what. Success is like, yeah, dude. So yeah. I just there's a gym like about a block away from where I was at. You know, so I was going through the divorce. Yeah, I walked into an MMA gym just to like better myself because I felt like I had these chains on me like nonstop. Like he was just controlling every part of me that I was like, God, I gotta go do something for myself. And I love watching fights. Like my brother would watch fights. I was like, I gotta go. I gotta go do that. Like I go do something for myself, dude. And it was just like I never felt so alive. Then I got the message eventually one year after because after year training i got my first fight that fool sent me a message on instagram guess i mean on facebook hell no i didn't open that at all like that's the never <laughs> yeah. ever never go back to anybody don't even open the message there's no such thing as closure in my opinion especially in toxic relationships oh, there's yeah, never yeah. close there's never there's never that last talk like hey let's go meet up and like nah dude that shit doesn't work you know cut it nip it if it's toxic just be gone you know so in and, hindsight maybe the audience or you know there's some women out there that are, that are going through it currently yeah how would you have coached yourself to do that cut it off before cheated yeah. and left i mean and i mean honestly like you have to also learn how to identify identify it and one day just decide like i need to go do something for myself because you can do a lot of self-loathing and that shit can last for a long time and you can feel sorry for yourself forever but like that ultimately also comes like very selfish and so I kind of started shifting also my energy as to like, I'm not going to go to waste all these opportunities I do I have in front of me. Like now I am free of my chains and I can be whatever I want to be. And I'm not afraid to fail because no matter what, I've been through some really tough shit. And if I can fall, even if I fall down again, like 
I'm going to get back up, like, no matter what. So you got to dare, you got to dare to, like, just, like, go for it all. Like, go for it, go for broke, whatever you got to do, because no matter what, like, it's going to force you to be resilient. And, like, you're going to not be afraid to continue to make those risks because, you know, you you believe in yourself and you can count on yourself that no matter what, you can get yourself out of it because you've done it before and you can do it time and time after that. But it just takes a step of like hard. It's hard, especially for women, because when you love somebody and like you can just you you kind of get like hypnotized in these like relationships and you think that like it's all you are, but it's not. And like you have to like find help. And like sometimes the people around you are not going to be enough. So you have to like, you know, go to the gym, go be around people that you aspire to be, that you wish you were like for who you want to be like mm-hmm. and and go surround yourself by those people. And it's really enough. You become what your environment is, yeah. you know, so it's just like you have to just take away yourself from the situations if it's not working for you. And that includes being around like family, even though they love you and want to be the best for you. You have to break the cycle because you might be in the same cycle that they're stuck in that they don't know how to teach you to get through because it's hard to do that for ourselves. We're really great at giving advice. But we can never like it's almost like we can't we can't even see it see for it, ourselves. Yeah. It's so weird, it's you know. Okay. So it's like you have to like kind of like stand outside yourself and look at yourself as if you're your own friend, mm-hmm. you know. And and what kind of advice would you give to your friend looking from you know the outside? And you've mentioned before become the hero of your own story. Mm-hmm. Right? That's yeah. so powerful. Become the hero of my own story, you know, don't like, you know, that's one thing too. It's like sometimes we get reliant on other people. And I think that also in return makes you a better partner in life when you do want to be with someone because you don't feel like you're not going to be anything without them. Like you're sure in your own self. So ultimately it's like, it's like, you know, you don't, you're your own whole and that person's your own whole. And then together it's just like, you know, yeah. it's not like, oh, you're a half, you're a half. And then like, you know, no, you're own each, each other's holes. Like you have to learn how to like live with yourself every single day without having to like give you some, somebody else give you validation, you know, and that's the most powerful thing there. That's so powerful. We were, we were actually just talking about that. Jay, the creative director behind the cameras, <laughs> we were talking about that becoming a Mount Olympus. So strong, so steadfast, self-reliant. Yeah. You know, that when shit happens, because it will, it'll Mm -hmm. be good. It'll be good regardless of what happens. So switching gears a little bit. Now we're talking about toxic relationships. Let's talk about not toxic, toxic relationships. (laughs) (laughs) Healthy relationships. (laughs) So uh, Mitch, how did you guys meet? We met at the gym. Yeah, we actually met at the gym. Yeah, so I moved to Vegas like January 2nd of 2022. I just like packed all my stuff and my life had kind of fallen apart a little bit. And I just basically put everything I owned in my car and was like, you know, I'm going to go to Vegas and I'm going to live with my buddy and his, you know, and people that I I'd just gone on a training trip and was like, okay, this is where I need to be if I want to, you know, be the best. So I uh, had a training partner, a friend uh, that offered me a room until I could get on my feet, figure it out. Um, ended up uh, saying yes. And then ended up actually staying with somebody else. But uh, long story short, moved out here, took that leap of faith, you know, as she kind of mentioned before, you know, just being like, screw it, you know, what else, what do I got to lose, dude? You know, it's do, it's do or die. It's now or never. And, uh, moved out there and found myself, uh, I was, I was training at syndicate MMA and she'd been in Vegas for a little while and she'd been training at a different gym, but hadn't, hadn't really worked out. She didn't, you know, she needed a change. So she moved over to syndicate and started training at syndicate. And, you know, I think we were both at a, both of us. Uh, we're not looking for that and, you know, not really looking for a relationship for 
you know, different reasons. And for whatever reason, we just couldn't like on the mat. It was just like, there was like a magnet. It was like, I always like, she was coming and saying hi to me or I was going to say hi to her. And then it was just like, we always like enjoyed talking to each other, mm -hmm. you know, it was kind of how it went. And then, uh, I don't know after like this went on for like probably like a month or two, at least, you know, it wasn't like an, Oh, like a tomorrow. Oh, we there was spark. I mean, yeah, there was definitely chemistry, but it was like, both of us were resistant. You know what I mean? It was like, okay. And, and honestly, I feel like it was almost a blessing that like I was in a state where I was like, no, like I was just like, I'm here to focus on this and whatever else. And, um, our first like date, I guess you could say was she, I would see that she runs on Instagram and I like to run too, you know? So I was like, oh yeah, I've been running, I've been running again too, but you know, nothing, nothing crazy yet. And, and I just go by myself in the morning. She's like, oh, well come with us, you know, come with me and my boxing coach and some of these other, you know, other guys. And we go run this mountain on Saturdays and you know, like, I think she kind of like gut, gut checked me a little bit. Cause this is a, <laughs> dude, this is not just a run. Okay. This is, this is five, this is over, this is 5.2 miles uh -huh. up the side of a mountain with over 2000 feet elevation gain. So okay. That's your first date. Yeah. yeah well, kind of. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, it it wasn't like yeah. a real first that's date. It was like, this is the first date. That's how we got. Because there was other people there. Yeah, hey, so but, 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 like but this is the thing. The, the way I covered the check was my ass made it up that mountain faster than everybody. Was. Just one skinny little boxer, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I burned them all. That's cool. And I, dude, I pushed so myself made, so hard. Who, who made the first move? I mean, I say she did, dude. No, I, mean, I was, I was, I was yeah. definitely, honestly. So honestly, I felt like I was like at a certain point, like even before this, like I'd kind of been like, screw it. And I kind of like started like attempting a little bit more because I just couldn't help myself. I guess. Yeah. It was just like, all right, here's, you know, we can share space outside of the gym. It was almost just like a, it wasn't like a, like a romantic thing. It was more of just like a, Hey, come along. And you know what I mean? But it, there was like a spark there that makes sense. So I showed up and it wasn't like, oh, this is like a date or anything like that. It was just like, okay, like all right, I get, I'm going to go run up this mountain. And I, you know, I don't think she knew that, you know, I, I, I've been running mountains since I was a kid, dude, I'm yeah. from Utah, you know, right, so right. running mountains is what I, is what I came up on. So I ran my ass up that mountain and everything else. And I could tell she was like, damn, you know, all right, this dude freaking booked it, you know? So, uh, after that, it, there was fights that night and she was basically, and I, I was going over to some of our friends' house to watch fight. And she was like, Oh, you know, I'm doing this watch party thing where I'm supposed to film myself, watch this fight for the UFC and I'm supposed to do it with people else. So that, and then she came and hung out and then actually we were all supposed to go and like paddleboard the next day or do something fun. Cause it was like a Saturday. And, uh, as we were going back to our cars, cause we parked next to each other, right? Like in this little parking lot off to the side as the night ended and we were all going back, we were like, she goes, <laughs> I think <laughs> she was like, I think we were, I don't remember who said it, but we were talking, we were basically like, yeah, we should definitely go paddleboarding tomorrow, but we, we should, we should just go though. Like, <laughs> we should just bail on everybody. We should go do something. Right, right, right. And that's what we did. I actually took her off-roading in my truck, yeah. climbed over to the top of a mountain and that's listened to some music. Sunset. Yeah. Oh, so sunset. I don't think, I, I think we've hung out every day ever since. Yeah. So here wow. we are that's two years awesome. later about. From your perspective, is that pretty yeah, that, yeah yeah that's pretty much that's pretty much it like literally we you know we just like hit it off but like i was the same way where i was like you know spent a lot of years i had like i had you know when i first started the sport the reason why i started so i was very like standoffish about like you know dating someone because i was afraid of like giving myself that much much of myself again you know what i mean and i was like worried that i would get there it's kind of like you know a person who does it who's an addict before like you want to be you don't want to be afraid going back into something you might dabble or get close to because you might get lost in it again you know so it's like some people 
once you get in a relationship and you fall in love with someone, like it can become that. Like it kind of it takes it takes over you, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was afraid. So I was always kind of a little bit standoffish, like dating people, like throughout like my most of my career and stuff. I dated here and there, but like this has probably been the ser- most serious relationship that I had since my my since I was married a year, like a long time ago. So uh, I was like, dude, when I moved to the gym, especially because I had just moved to Vegas, I was in Vegas for like about a, like a year and a half or so and I moved to syndicate and then he showed up and I was just like all right whatever you do when you go to gym you don't want to date anybody I was like you just move there you don't want to like date anybody at work because like if it doesn't work out someone's got to go it's gonna be uncomfortable you know right and so it's risky yeah so I was like you don't want to do that and so but it's just like we just couldn't help it like you know and I think once we got to know each other and like I think one of the things that we liked about each other the most is like just how many things that we've been through and like the, the type of person that you you become from like overcoming such things so we were able to understand each other because sometimes when you go through a past like that like when you're not sometimes you can be comfortable talking about it and sometimes you, can, you you're not comfortable talking about it because I know like for him when he first came out of prison like he like it's almost like oh hush like no I don't want to tell anybody you know about my past because like they're gonna judge me you know but like ultimately when you realize like the beauty that comes from your struggle and that when you're not afraid to share your story and like realize that like how that actually makes you a beautiful person, you know? And so like, I like, I, I, you know, I love him like who he is, his personality, but it made me love him even more once I knew everything he's been through because like I could resonate it, you know? And there's mm-hmm. like a lot of passion and a lot of like heartbreak and, you know, it's just a lot of misunderstandings of the world where you think like everything's against you and to be able to like come out of all of that and to be who you are, like, and that's where we just, like, we hung out one day, and we've been, like, we probably haven't spent more than, like, two days apart since that's we've amazing. been that's the be- Those yeah. are the best relationships. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's easy, you know? It's, yeah. But I want to I talk about the inspiration that you're talking about, how it's inspiring people, and I know you're inspiring the next generation of women, and women in general, right, just for what you do and, and how you show up. And Mitch, you know, he's been on a streak for the last year, where after he wins a fight and he gets the mic, you know, he's he speaks his truth and he speaks and shares where he was and how much he overcame. We've got clips with a million views right now. Like yeah, one clip crazy, of you man. just talking to Mike, sharing your story, right? Your message, your mess is your message. You guys are both super inspirational. And I I I just want to say, like, keep keep it up. Keep doing that. Keep sharing it because you guys are, are impacting so many people, whether you see it or not, you know. And that's one one of the things that I saw when you came on the podcast originally, right? Like, you've got one of the craziest stories, right? Yeah. And uh, both of you guys are so committed. And you both ma- mentioned, like, when meeting each other, you knew you didn't want to. So I'm going to ask you, Mitch, what was it about her that made you cross the line? I think just, like, you, I mean, it's like there's that corny line of, like, oh, you know, if you're going to date somebody, be their friend first. And I feel like in the past, I'd never done that. And I think it's because, like, most people operate off of, like, you know, like, uh, like either lust or like maybe like a person's status or their money, you know, something like that. You know what I mean? Like that's what gets their attention and that ties into their attraction to them. Right. And then you're not really, you're almost like giving, you're allowing yourself to get blind spots on this person because you're looking at, does that make sense? You're looking at like something that isn't them and their personality. So I think that for me, it was like, once like we got to know each other and I just saw the way she operated with people first, you know, everybody loves her, you know, everybody just has nothing but good things to say and, you know, everything else. So like just seeing how she operated and everything else and then getting to know her and just getting to know who she is before having, allowing myself to really go there with like, you know, 
feeling attracted or being emotional or whatever else. Like when I think about it, I think that that is the biggest like difference as well as what has made this relationship successful and why, you know, we have so much fun together is because, you know, not only, you know, is she my, my girlfriend, my partner, but she's my best friend. You know, like literally we just, our life is just dogs, bullshit, training, like she, we like the same music. We usually like the same movies. Like, it's like, like we have enough different, don't be wrong. She's way more soft hearted than I am. I mean, in some ways, actually in all ways. Yeah. She's yeah. definitely more soft hearted than me. <laughs> and like, she kind of balances out like my parts that are a little bit too crazy. Like my like trauma, like ah, reactions and stuff is like, Hey, you know, relax, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's like, we kind of pull each other. And then I'm like telling her, you know, when she goes into like the negative, like self stuff like because we both deal with our stuff you know oh, what yeah. i mean like we both do a lot of the same things but i think we do them at different intensities uh -huh. and we see each other do these things and be like hey chill and then it's like oh wait i do that too it's yeah. like a yin but and like, yang kind of thing yeah where it's like i have strengths i have a lot of things that i'm really really good at that he's not as great mm -hmm. that come you know so compliments him and then there's things that i'm not really good at that he's really good at so a compliment so it's just kind of like it's like we can like water each other like you know and like help each other and like it just it just works well together you know what yeah. i mean it's very important but like as uh, going back to what he was saying is just like you know what i think what is hard nowadays with like dating and stuff it's like you have tinder you have like so you have certain expectations you know everybody's gonna like put forth like their fur like you know their best look you know you know there's a honeymoon stage they're gonna show you everything you want they're gonna tell you everything you want to hear you know and they're just gonna make themselves look like everything you want to be you know instead of actually being themselves so it's really hard dating sites and stuff like that it's great but i don't think that's like that i would want to have that the best option like the best option would be to fall in love with somebody that you like just spend you've been around you know what i mean yeah. you love their men you like who they are with other people you you see them be themselves not like them pretending to be something just because they know you guys are on a date yeah. you know and so it's like we got lucky where you know we were both like oh we don't want to date anybody in the gym because it's gonna be messed up but at the same time you know you you spend time we have the same friends and you hang out with somebody and then you look at them and they're like man oh, that person's really cool you know and then yeah. you're just like man you know they get to know their character almost yeah. too like when you're like in those rooms together because it's like we're both on the pro team so it's not like a it's not like there's like just like huge rotations of people. i mean there is like overturn and stuff like that people in and out of town but there's like maybe 20 to 30 of us that are like there all the time so it's like it's not that many people fighting is so pure and so like when you're in there i mean on top of that like i'm looking like shit dude my hair's all crazy <laughs> yeah, i'm right. all sweaty dude yeah. we're in high tense <laughs> situations you know the real person's gonna come out For you real. know i don't got no lashes no makeup you yeah, know what I mean? so you gonna find out who i am especially because yeah. you're putting me in a situation where i'm grappling i'm fighting every day so mm -hmm. it's like if you see you really want to know how somebody is watch them when they're in like a heated situation watch get frustrated. so you can find out who they really right. are watch get tired <laughs> stuff like that definitely yeah you don't want to be, like date with somebody and commit it and then later on find out i was like oh my god crazy you know i've never seen her act this crazy before <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys have like a visceral understanding of each other right because you're you guys are both pro fighters yeah like that's that's gotta be magnetic like you're just like oh no i get it you know i mean there is that like that's uh -huh. like the work side of it but I, there's fighters there's a lot of, and there's a lot of different reasons why people fight right there's people who you know, like us that have overcome something and like fighting is like what saved us. And like, we have a purpose as to why we fight. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, like I share these story, I share this message. I 
you know, try to help people, inspire people as well as, you know, improve my future. There's that, but there's also other people that are just solely money motivated. There's people that were just raised in it and this is all they know. You know what I mean? There's, there's so many different types of athlete within the sport that have, because this isn't, you know, and like the NFL and things like that, like you, you, if you're in, you were doing this your whole life, you know, pretty much like you had to go through college. You had to get drafted. You had to, you know, you had to have your ducks in a row and everything had to go the right way where an MMA dude, like shit, I came out of prison at 23 and I never had a fight. You know what I mean? So it's like, and here I am now, you know? So it's like, if you're good and you keep your, keep your uh, self out of trouble and you, and you train hard and you're disciplined enough, you can be somebody. Oh shit. You started seriously training at 23 yeah. you started Damn, yeah. I didn't yeah. know that was that yeah, crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's anyway, just kind of like, click. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, yeah. Back to what I was saying with like, you know, uh, for us. So we like, I think it's like, cause I've, you know, I've known a lot of fighters and I didn't like connect with all of them or even like, you know, everybody's just kind of different, but I think that where we operate from, why we fight, you know, like, as well as like, I don't know, just our experiences that make us like, like, yes, it is fighting, but it's like deeper than the fighting. It's yeah. like, we are the same type of fighter. Right. So that's where I think that uh, why we why we get each other. Just compliment each other, like just being able to understand each other because, we you know, it's it's hard sometimes when people for people to understand each other where they don't understand each other's like obstacles and trauma that they've been through, you know, and like because nobody's perfect. Like it's going to take constant work. Like even when you try to work through something in your life, like you have to constantly work at it. Like everything takes work, you know? And when you meet somebody who also knows that you always going to have that part of your life that you have to work through it day in day life and you can love them even when they're having a hard time or a hard day and you understand why and you can help them get through it. Like that's, that's so important because you don't want to be come something that you're not just to impress someone and then you can't really ever, you know so be to so be able to be completely bare with someone and not be afraid of it because you're not scared you know because they love you unconditionally so it doesn't matter you know what i mean because there's a lot of times where relationships aren't like that like a lot of times you mold yourself into what you want that person you know what they what they want and you lose yourself you know so it's so important to be able to like meet someone and have someone that can allow you to just completely you know, be, be yourself without having to like, feel like you have to wear makeup or, oh, you're not allowed to wear this clothes or, you know, someone who just loves you unconditionally, like no matter what, you look like dog shit in the morning or whether it's like the fucking looking like a million bucks the next day, they better love me the same on both days, you know? So that's, that's, that's very important. So what what is the future with you guys? Like? <laughs> I mean, we're still we're just plugging along. Dude. <laughs> Sounds like a match made Got in heaven. Dogs if you're and shit. <laughs> yeah, See where it goes. Yeah, it definitely feels like we've been together for a very long time, but like in a good way. Yeah, if yeah. that made sense. To me, like marriage, like I grew up, you know, and where I like break, you know, growing up in Utah and things like that, oh. where it was like marriage was this like holy institution and all this kind of stuff. And like at the end of the day, dude, love is the holy institution to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you love somebody and they love you and you have that person's back down to the soul like that's 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 more dude that's stronger than most marriages you know what i mean there's a lot of people that are married that hate each other you know what i mean and then they just have to get a divorce and lose half their money or right. you know get half the money whatever you know whatever side you're operating from but you know it's like you know i just think that for me you know and i think that we're both you know similar people we're like i don't think we're like bound by the same constructs as like norm like what you're like re regular conservative person is so it's like i mean we've been living together for it's almost honestly time. within a few months it's like about time that like he hung out like yeah. we, we hung out he came over to my place and probably and like, i also got really been sick there every day. she took care of me for like i was supposed to be in the hospital for like two weeks and i didn't have insurance at the time and i, I needed i didn't want to stay in the hospital because they were gonna freaking right. 
run up the, you know, the bill's going to get crazy. And it was still a crazy bill, but I basically checked myself out against medical orders and took him to my uh, place and took over, care of him. And they were like, listen, if you leave, like you can't get off the couch. Like you're, you're, you're to it. Like you're like, long, like I had rhabdomyolysis in my legs. Right. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's basically like tissue death. Like I trained so hard. Like I worked out and depleted my body so hard that I caused like my muscles to actually die inside of me. Oh like, so you basically have yeah. dead tissue inside of you that is now breaking into enzymes and getting into your bloodstream and can damage your kidneys, damage your liver, damage your heart. Like it's myoglobin gets into your bloodstream. Like it's really bad. Right. So it could be, it's like a life threatening injury. And I've actually had it before. <laughs> I had it when I was like 19, but from, a, from seizures, actually from drug withdrawals. Oh, wow. Um, so I got it from like, basically like during a weight cut, I, I rode a, uh, like an Airdyne bike a little too hard when I was like depleted. And then I went to the sauna and that like whammy, I guess, of like underfed, under, you know, underfed, overtrained, dehydrated, overexercised, overheated caused the cell death, you know, essentially. Um, but basically my legs just wouldn't stop cramping. Like I couldn't walk. Like I tried to, I tried to like, we, we were coming back from Utah cause I was supposed to fight. The fight fell through. It's like, what the hell? Like the day before. So instead of you know, going and fighting, we just went to Utah to do the commentary. Like, hey, still come, do the commentary, hang out. You know, I had the, we were already planning on going. So I was like, hey, let's go. Did the commentary. And then like, it was like the night of the fight, honestly, like the night, like it was like, as I went home, I was like, what's going on with my legs, dude? Why are my legs feeling like weird? They just kind of started like spasming and being sore. And then like by the next day, dude, like I could not walk. Like I was in so much pain. My legs were just Charlie horsing and Charlie horsing and Charlie horsing. I mean, I was sweating through my clothes. She pushed me through the airport in a wheelchair. We made our flight barely. Salt Lake Airport is long. Yeah, yeah so like yeah. they, they thought I had refeed. Like, for like yeah. two miles, I don't know, three miles. The nutrition it's a big ass airport. Yeah, right. it was gnarly, dude. She freaking killed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's we when I knew she was the one. Yeah, was my, my ass, literally, I tried to go through, uh, TSA, like uh -huh. at, at Salt Lake, right? Yeah. I tried to go through TSA and you know how they make you cut right and you have to cut back? Yep. I started cutting over and my legs stopped working. I fell into the wall, my legs locked up and I was like, oh, oh no, oh no. And then I like kept trying to walk and take another step and I, I physically couldn't like, and I was making a scene, dude. Like yeah. I'm covered in sweat. My legs are freaking locking out and I'm like, oh, and like all this wow. crazy pain, yeah. like trying to get on, trying to make it through security, right? Yeah. Cause I gotta get on this plane, I gotta go home, you know? It was my mentality. I didn't, I didn't know how hurt I was at this point. Mm. I, was, I was still confused. I didn't. I was, I was not aware of how messed up I was. So anyway, they bring a wheelchair. She literally ran me through the airport, dude. Like we made our flight by like one minute. It was super yeah. gangster. So <laughs> I probably shouldn't have flown in that state. That probably made it a lot worse. You know, there was a whole lot of other stuff, but long story short, uh, she took care of me. Like I, we went, uh, to the hospital. Like I said, I'd had it before. I knew what they were going to do. They're gonna make me take a bunch of IV fluids and drink a bunch of water and not move. And I've, I've been through this. So I was like, I knew what I was in for and I was not insured. Cause once again, I just jumped off the cliff, you know what I mean? And just moved to Vegas. So I was like, I had a sponsor that was a medical sponsor that does IVs and does like stuff like that. And what, then I was what, like, timeline, timeline. I'm, I'm having trouble. Was this before or after the podcast? This was before interview? the pod. This okay. was like a year before our last podcast. Okay. okay. This was the lead up to our last podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this happened. And then, cause this is like all tied into how we, you know, met and everything. But basically I checked myself out of the hospital against like doctor's orders and just told him that I was going to get an IV, like a couple IVs every, like, I was like, I talked to my sponsor. They're like, Hey, we'll give you IVs every day. They told me I just need to sit on the couch and drink water. You literally can't get out. You cannot walk. You can't, you can't do anything for two weeks after two weeks. Then you can start like easing back in. And then after two weeks, you can start to maybe exercise a little bit. If that goes well, after six weeks, you can try to train a little bit again. You know what I mean? That's like, I mean, it was a serious injury. Like at most time when this happens, like 12 week recovery time, like it's bad, you know? So, I mean, 
honestly, my esophagus swollen up from the myoglobin. I couldn't swallow. Like I was wow. really messed up, dude. Yeah. Like it was bad. And I put on, and that was like the first time I put on like 20 pounds. Like I've never had on before, which ties into this rest of this, you know, uh, what's going, been going on the last year. But you know, that was kind of like the, like that moment, like I was just so down and defeated. I went from like, okay, I have this fight and I'm going to get in this fight and I'm going to get a contender series and it's all going to go so well. And I moved and I met this girl and da, 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 to fight fell through nothing coming. And now you're in the hospital and now you can't train for at least, you know, two months, probably long story short, I went back to practice after four weeks. I was like throwing up after practice every day. And I took a fight eight, like six weeks later. And that was a fight in Vegas that was before we talked and okay. I knocked the guy out. Yeah, yeah. Right. That was that fight. Okay. Right. So, yeah. and that was at 160 because I was afraid to cut all the way down because of the organ stuff that was going on from yeah. the rhabdo. Right. I was yeah. still having issues with some stuff. So, um, yeah, so it was cool though, because I, she just was like there for me, you know, and it was funny because I mean, she had to take care of me. So I, I didn't leave, you know what I mean? She just like, just stay here and just, I'll take care of you. So I stayed there for like, I think like almost a month already. And then somewhere toward like, I was like, I was starting to get better. And she was like, you should just move in. And I was like, and I was kind of like shocked a little bit. And yeah. I was like, cause I like, wouldn't, you know what I mean? That's, that's fast, you know, as well as like, I don't want to be like, Hey, you know, let, you know, let me in here. I'll stay in, I'll stay with my aunt up in Summerlin. And I was only in Vegas for a few months. Um, so I was like, Oh, let's think about it. You know, let's talk about it. And then after we like, kind of, we kind of like, it was kind of like that moment where we're like, Oh, what should we do? You know, like kind of that moment of like, oh, that was, it was kind of crazy, you know? And then I think after like another few days that we kind of sat on it and like settled with it and then like brought it back around, like, yeah, I still feel the same well, way. Well, I feel Don't like try we, it. Were, Let's do it. we were literally hanging out every day. So he's no, spending like, the night every day. Yeah, so that's what I'm like, saying. Like I already lived there for a month. She'd come with me to Utah. Like, We'd been like, like training. We'd doing all this stuff. You kind of have like a temporary spot at your aunt's house. Like, <laughs> and, like, and I'm seeing me at my worst yeah, too, you know, like seeing me at a space and I'm like depressed too. Like I'm not like super pumped. Like I just want to, I just want to like eat food and sleep i'm just yeah. you know what i mean it's like oh i can't believe this you know how does like, happen my dogs too so it's like for me it's like because i've like you know been fall, like chasing my dream for so long yeah. i lived for my by myself for for many years so i had my dog and then i just recently got another dog you know so i was like i my dogs are like you know they're my therapy dogs too so i feel like it kind of served him as therapy dogs too sure. so while he was there he yeah. was just hanging out with like my dogs you know and like Showing i feel dogs. like he just like you know, it just like fit in it like it, it just like all fit in together. It was like weird. It was like yeah. kind of like we were both had like we were our own holes. But at the same time, I felt like there was like a little puzzle that just kind of like clicked together. Yeah, you know? no, for <laughs> sure. We got together. It was just like, oh, this just fits. Was there anything like that stuck out to you? Like because it sounds like he was going through a lot. Right. What was it about him that you're like this guy? This this is my guy. Like just spending time around him without even actually knowing his story. Because, like, if you spend enough time around Mitch and you don't even know who he, who he is, you get surprised when he actually tells you what you've been through. And you never would have ever <laughs> yeah. thought that that was his background. You know what I mean? And so, like, for me, for me to see, like, this, like, kind, like, person who's always just, like, laughing and joking and, like, just, like, I was just, like, I was just astonished because I just knew that, like, what he had to go through to become the person he is. And it's just like, you know, it's kind of like the rose that grew through concrete, you know, one of the, like Tupac, like poems. I, I freaking love that. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I just, I just like love that about him. And so I was just like willing to support him because I knew that it was such a pivotal time in his career as well. Cause I've been there before. I've had like plenty of like teammates. I've been there where like, you don't know when you're going to get your shot or your chances. And I knew that he had just moved to Vegas and he was a big prospect and, you know, and just like really just like, 
I related to him a lot, you know, because he's been through what he's been through and I've been through. So I just felt like, you know, I just, I was like, man, I just like, I just love this guy. Like, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever we can do to like help each other. I like, I know that, you know, he would be a good partner, you know? And it's just like, he told me time and time that he is like, he's a very supportive person who loves me no matter what, like makes me feel like great about myself from the moment that I freaking wake up. You know what I mean? And so like, even if I'm like a little grumpy or something, you know, it's just like, and that's just, that's just so important, you know? And it's just like, it's just, it's, it's just so sweet and so nice to like be able to see someone be who he is because I'm telling you every person that meets him and he, he tells them their story and they're like, what? I was oh, like, yeah, you were in prison. You did what? <laughs> no, you There's were. like, no way, dude. You're yeah, lying, yeah. dude. Where did you <laughs> hey, go? Like, yeah. you kidding me, right? That's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah. And for no, anyone listening that, that maybe is tuning in for the first time or doesn't know what we're talking about, episode 27, Adaptive Leaders with Mitch Ramirez we go through his story. So go check it out because that's what we keep referencing. Yeah. His story, his uh, his battle with addiction, his going to prison for, I'm not going to spoil it, but he went to prison for a good amount of time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah significant, significant amount of time. A significant part of his life. It definitely wasn't days. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's inspiring and it's amazing and it's so cool to switch gears a little bit. What do you guys think about Sean Strickland talking about the females in uh, the UFC? I mean, I feel like the guy's all, he's always he's always saying something crazy, dude. I, I don't honestly, I, I just kind of like I don't like react to like a lot of that stuff because uh-huh. I feel like I, I don't know, dude. I just I don't even know, to be honest. I don't think I've seen it like I'm, I've seen a bunch of it. I know I'm sure I could like pretty close to verbatim it yeah, yeah. if I just said what I've heard. You know, the clip was nobody wants to watch girls fight. I mean, that's just, yeah. I mean, that's just not true, I mean, honestly, but it's, I mean, it's his opinion. Or, yeah, yeah, no, I, mean, I, like, I don't even think I, that's his opinion, no, to be honest listen, with you. I, you think he's just, he's just roughly. He's actually not that. He's like, I, he's, yeah. a, he's in Vegas. So listen, he's, like, he's just, he's just, a, he's just the type of guy that doesn't have a filter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody's entitled to their opinions. Yeah. Um, truth of the matter is though, like I've been, I've been around Strickland plenty, you know, he's, he's native here from, from Vegas. So I've uh-huh. been around him a lot plenty in the last three years. And like, he's always been really nice and respectful to me, you know, mm-hmm. from the, t- before, you know, when he was just an AFC to becoming champion, mm-hmm. like, you know, even though he can say, you know, whatever he wants to say to get a rise out of people, because I think he's really good at that. I think that's just also a defense mechanism mm-hmm. that he has where he says like outlandish shit just to say mm-hmm. it, you know, which is fine. You know what I mean? It's just like people enjoy it. It's like in, in entertainment, like he, they people love when people are so like, you know, just hit a chord on someone, you know, just get a reaction on someone. That's like, you know, WWE style, like yeah. Vince McMahon, whatever you, whatever you got to say, you know, Ric Flair, you know, just, just get... You know, Chell Sonnen, you know, like you you have to be able to sell a fight, you know, whether, mm-hmm. you know, they want to like you or say it or not. But he says a lot of a lot of dumb shit sometimes. And I'm sure that he would agree upon uh, agree to. But um, he's I don't I don't take it to to great offense. Like there's even like okay. Islam as well. Makachev. Okay. I trained with them at AKA, you know, with Khabib and all them. And they were all very, very nice and respectful to me. Didn't we didn't like physically train because it's like against her religion, mm-hmm. but they were very, very nice and respectful, even though they've come out before that they don't like to see women fight and they don't like agree with it. Mm-hmm. At the end of the truth of the matter, it is when there's no cameras around and we're standing next to each other, they're respectful, and that's what's important to me, yeah. you know. So it's like, you know, Sean Strickland, he's 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 a wild guy, you know, he's gonna want to say wild things, you know. Yeah. So it, I don't, I don't, I don't take it too hard, you know. If it comes down to a point where I know for sure, like he's he feels that way and you can feel that behind closed doors, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, F that guy, but yeah, yeah, nah, you know, he's just he's just I like it. Yeah. And he's he's gonna say what he says, but as long as he respects you, it doesn't yep. 
-hmm. you can have his own opinion. Yeah, for sure. Show show you respect. Show you respect. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but he really does say some dumb shit. So. <laughs> I mean, I've, I mean, I'm 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 good friends with a with a friend of his, and uh -huh. I mean, I've 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 had interactions. He's, he's always been cool, man. He's never I've never had a bad interaction with him personally, and I've never really seen him have bad bad interaction with anybody else. That's why I'm like, I mean, I wouldn't say that he like is disingenuous that he's yeah. like saying these things like in like a in like a stagey kind of way. Just I just think that he's just. He's just nuts, man. He and he's gonna. He's get, the first thing that comes in. Yeah. It's like this is screw it. I'm gonna say yeah. it. You know, I just think that you know, if like you let him elaborate more, it probably wouldn't be as crazy. But especially, I feel like there's been a few times where he's charged up and he says some stuff where it's like, ooh, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, I just honestly, dude, I don't even really watch half of it because I got to go to practice. I got to focus on my shit. You know what I mean? Like I'll watch the fight. You know what I mean? I want to see how the fight's going through. Like for the most part, like I just I watch like the fighters that I pay attention to are for skills you know and honestly sean has got some skills and he's done well lately so i've been watching you know what i mean it's like okay yeah he's he's done he's done well so what can i take from this guy what does he do well you know why is he having success and things like that and that's that's just kind of how i i look at fighting unless i know you personally then i'm like get that yeah come on you know what i mean then it's emotional you know but outside of that like if, if i don't like have a personal relationship with you i don't really emos emotionally invest or Cause I know, dude, it's like on this, from this side of things, it's like half these, I, cause there are a lot of disingenuous guys that are just saying shit, especially after Conor McGregor, dude, so after, after Conor, dude, it was like, you got all these like knockoff brand trying to, you know, and I get, and I, at the same time, I respect the hustle. You know, I can't hate on a man for trying to, you know, get a leg up and trying to be, you know, getting outside of his comfort zone and trying to do something to improve his life and his career. So I don't hate, but it's just, oh, yeah, it's exhausting though. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean? so yeah. I just don't pay attention. I'm just yeah. like, all right, bro. Whatever. Yeah, you know? that's so one thing that I've noticed about both of you guys, you guys aren't big social media. Like you're not like, I can't I can't do the social media content creation grind. Like I just want to be all about the fighting thing, right? Is that to a detriment, do you guys think? Probably. I'm not gonna pretend. Yeah. Because talk about be disingenuous. No, yeah, for well, sure. Well, because I mean if you do if you know that it's the day and age of like, you know, social media right now, being able to be good at content creation and being comfortable being in the camera on day to day is also like that's another skill in itself. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And so like uh some people are just really good at it. Like I feel like I've been I've been doing just so much constant work on myself and like in this sport of like overcoming and I just kind of been one track minded on like I just want to focus on fighting and um there's times where I've dabbled a little bit where I have like uh you know somebody filming me and stuff getting ready for my fights and stuff like that but as far as like content creation like it's so hard for me just because I am just so tired from training all the time like I give it to everybody else that can do it I feel like if you're good at it then it's it's not hard for you to multitask it but it's hard for me to multitask like I just like it's yeah it's, i just feel like we're just hard. we're both people that also like the last thing i'm thinking about after practice is taking a photo yeah is getting a video the last thing i'm thinking about on the way to the gym or at practice is getting a photo or getting a video like there's so many times i get home like oh i should have got a video <laughs> I was wearing that shirt and i wanted oh dang it you know it's like literally like it's I, it's not it's not on purpose but i think it's just that we're both hyper focused like we both are people that are where we are because uh of, a, of an ability just to bite on like a dog on a bone and not let go but that also comes with tunnel vision 
the end of the day, I probably just need to have somebody do it for me. <laughs> yeah. Cause you I guys are saying, great communicators. It, really out, shy, if you guys had so. a show, I would tune in. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I've, we're going to do something. Yeah. I mean, eventually I think, uh, I, but I'm just like, I'm also like really shy. Like I still like so nobody here from watching you I mean, share your I story talk, would say that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> listen, listen when I, so, so when, when it comes to like talking about fighting and like, just like my past and stuff, like I can be very passionate and talk about it, but like being in front of the camera, like all, like every day, just like calling, you know, looking at myself, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that all the time. I think I would get like lost, you know, and then you start getting worrying too much about like what people's opinions and stuff because, because uh, like, uh, like honestly, that's already something difficult for me to deal with. Like me winning, winning everything. I shot up my following. I got, I got a bunch of following. Like everybody's like, oh, you're in the next big thing, next big thing. And then you lose. And then all of a sudden you get like, oh, here comes the negative and then you lose another fight. And it's just like, you get attacked, dude. And then like, I hate being able to give people that kind of access to me. Like f you, like how you know what I mean? So I kind of like. Life fans are brutal. I've like I have a hard time with. I like, think social media is just fucking brutal. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> terrible. That's why I have a hard time. Like I feel like sometimes when I do that kind of stuff, like I think I just need to let somebody else do it for me. But at the same time, I feel ingenuine, and if it's not me responding to the comments and going through them, but at the same time, because I am very sensitive and a big heart, and I fucking hate bullies, and since yeah. I can't really like you know gives many, too many people the ability to just like disrespect you, you know, without getting any repercussions. And like, I, I, that shit is, I, it's hard for me to deal with. Like, not only am I shy, but I'm out here trying to be open with you, but then you got to come on here and tell yeah. me some dumb shit. Yes. And you want to tell me yes. to my face. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, go like, Let's go beat up feature. some trolls. Troll uh, <laughs> fight. Yeah, bully beat down, bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. <laughs> Where did that show go? Dude, they probably got sued. Dude. Oh, some dude's got some serious serious thrashings on that show. Bro, probably we need to bring that back. back. 100%. Holy like, shit. You just nostalgia just back. seeped into Dude, that was, a, that was a great show. That was an awesome show. That was an awesome show. And they show. never won. The, the bullies always got beat up. What happened to that guy? I've got to look him up now. Cool. So, uh, Mitch, last time you came on the podcast, you were undefeated, right? Yep. You went into your, I think the next fight after that, I believe you won that one. Yep. And we were we were on our end trying to amplify every message to get you in front of Dana White, and then you got invited on the Contender Series. Yep. Right. What was that? Because mo- that feels like an, an alp, right? That feels like a yeah. pivotal moment, like a high, high, right? Oh, yeah. Like? Oh, I mean, honestly, like, I'll kind of, because on the la- last time I was on here, you know, it was like, I I talked about, you know, going through the injury and the, you know, n- n- you know, the ultimate fighter not working out and going through that big, just, you know, once again, it was like, here we are again at the beginning of the year and everything is going terribly again, you know, mm-hmm. going, you know, back to the rabdo the year before. And now here we are and this just happened now have this crazy infection in my knee and I gained all this weight again. It was like, it was almost like, I felt like I like transported back in time. Like I like this last year, like, Oh, wait a minute. We didn't get out of this. Damn it. We're doing this again. Groundhog day. Yeah. You know? So it was like, Oh shit. You know? No, I like, I, I had to find a way to like get my power back, I guess. And that was that fight that I took literally like a few, like, I think we did the podcast and then within a week or two, my manager called me and was like, Hey, there's a fight in two weeks that I think is a good fight for you. Mm. It's on the East coast. Uh, what do you think? And I was like, uh, probably not dude. Like I've been injured and like just been on the couch. I haven't, I think I'd just gone back to, I just gotten cleared to practice two weeks before this with, from the knee injury, um, which was like a really severe infection inside my knee that like messed my knee up kind of, and made it all weak. And I had to do like physical therapy and stuff. Um, but so it was still not very, it wasn't super strong yet. And, uh, 
and this was up a weight class too. It was a 170, mm-hmm. right? But you know, that my coaches felt like I could beat the guy and even, you know, and not having a camp. And I said, no. And I was like, no, it's not a good idea. And then they were kind of like, all right, whatever. And then after thinking about it, I was kind of like, fuck it, do it. Let's do it. Let's, what's the worst that's gonna happen? Let's go fight. You know, if I want to fight, let's fight. I got two weeks. I'll train as hard as I can and we'll go see what <laughs> happens, you know? So that's what I did. And, and honestly, it was like the most nervous I've ever been for a fight. The guy was no slouch. I don't know what the hell, I don't know who told who what, but that guy was, was not terrible. Like everybody seemed to assume he was, he was actually pretty good and pretty, pretty, pretty well experienced, a lot more experienced than me. Um, and I ended up uh, beating him with leg kicks and it was just kind of like me figuring it out because that was not the game plan. But when I went in there and the game plan didn't work, I had to figure something else out. So I just started ripping his leg until he couldn't walk. And then that was the fight. Right. Third round TKO by by calf kicks. Right. Yeah. And that was like this. And then you guys dropped the podcast and Mm -hmm. that was like the highest high. Like it was like, hell yeah, dude. Like both my legs were, I mean, my ankles were swollen for like two months, dude. I, from kicking that guy so many times, but like, it was so worth it. And it was just like, yes. Okay. And then I got that opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was like, we blew it up. It went well, the Mm -hmm. finished call out, everything went really well. And within two weeks of that fight, we got the call. Hey, you want to be on contender series? Hell yeah. And they're like, okay, well it's, you know, at 155, but it's in eight weeks. It's like week one. Right. So I was like, oh shit. You know, once again, I just fought at 170, just came off this knee injury. I was, I was heavy, dude. Like I, you know, I was a little chunky. That's why if you go and you look at that fight, like I was as soft as you've ever seen me in a fight because I wasn't in shape. Like I legitimately was not in fight shape for that fight and just went out there and got in a fight. Like, so you know, pulled it off everything else, but I was like, okay, like a contender series fight is different. I can't miss weight. None of that can happen. But I was afraid that in eight weeks, I wouldn't be able to make 155, mm-hmm. you know, because my, like I said, I was heavier than I normally, I was a lot, like, probably like 15 pounds heavier than I would normally, like than I am right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was like, okay, like if they gave me a fight in eight weeks right now, 155, yeah, absolutely. I got to get on a diet, but we're good. You know, I can, to- I could do it, dude, half that time if I needed to. Yeah. But at that moment in time, I was like, I don't know. I have this, my knee's still really messed up. It's not healthy yet. What if this infection comes back? What if I miss weight? Dude, these guys, and if you miss weight on contender or like a debut fight, like, dude, that's like, that is a black mark you do not want on your, on your record. That's like them, you showing them like, you yeah, just don't you give a shit, you know, like, yeah, like if you miss, bro, well. like yeah. get yeah. out of here. You didn't even, you didn't even make the prerequisite, you know what I mean? On your job interview. So, yeah. you know, we're, you're, we're good. Makes sense. So it was like, so in my mind, you know, the smarter thing to do would be like, hey, can I get on a, maybe can we do it like at the end of contender? But in my mind, I didn't want to be like, I don't know. I was just, I, I just wanted to fight still. So I was like, nah, how about just tell him, tell him I want to fight at 170 on this one. Like manager was like, you sure? And he's like, you want to be a welterweight in the UFC? And I was like, we'll figure it out when we get there, but let's just do it. Cause I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss this opportunity. I want to fight. Took the fight at 170. The guy they bring back, I was like, of course, you know, he's a monster. You know, the, probably the t- arguably the toughest dude they've ever put on contender series. Wow. Ever. Yeah, he looked really good. I mean, the guy had over yeah. 100 pro fights, bro. Whoa. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the guy is like, yeah, monster, bro. Like 100 pro striking fights, what, 25 pro MMA and a black belt in jujitsu. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, just yeah. he's a killer, bro. Yeah. And honestly, like, uh, but I was down for it. I was like, okay, like that's a really, that's a tall task. I'm undersized. He's got a nine inch reach on me. He's probably gonna have 20 pounds on me. You know what I mean? It's going to be nasty, but I knew I could get it done. I'm a better grappler. I'm a better wrestler. You know, I knew if I could, you know, if I could impose my will, I could do it. And so I was like, let's do it. And I took the fight and I knew, you know, as soon as I took the fight and we started training and all of a sudden my body started healing and the weight started coming off and I started getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I was like, oh shit, like I should have taken this at 55. You know, but it, I mean, what are you going to do at that point? It's too late. So you, know, you go out there and you do your job, um, which I did. Uh, I went in there and I was probably like 182 pounds in the cage, 183 pounds in the cage. Damn. Right. Which is like, 
a few pounds heavier than I am when I make 55 in the cage. <laughs> so, I mean, I was, I was super, I was just undersized. And like, and, and honestly, dude, the, the most frustrating thing about it was that I still could have won that fight. Mm. You know, I, I won the first round. I, mm -hmm. I did everything I, I wanted to do. I scored the takedown. I landed shots. Everything was going good. And I just made a mistake that allowed him to like get to his feet. And then I rushed a, rushed my next, my next uh, move. And he ended up landing a, a weird punch in my eye that, that broke my the inside of my eye socket, essentially like the bone that your eye sits on, it collapsed it. Mm. So I couldn't see out of my right eye anymore. And then at that point, you know, the guy's very high level striker and with two eyes, it's a tall task to strike with the guy with one eye. It was pretty tough as you, as you guys saw, if you watched the fight, yeah. I ended up tagging me with a shot in the scene and I, and, and I ended up losing that fight. But you know, that was, uh, that was like probably one of the most aggravating and like low moments of my career, you know, of like your first fight, your first loss. Yeah. First loss first ever loss. in front of Dana White in a main event on contender series, yeah. biggest stage in the world, just told your story you've you've called for this you've asked for this multiple times they gave it to you fucking lost fuck you know what i mean like and now i'm sitting here like and all this you know, oh it was 170 and i was this and I, but at the end of the day you lost and all that means and all that anybody's ever going to remember on your record is that is that number on the right side you know and to me that's and that's why for me i go into every fight like do or die you know what i mean it doesn't matter no circumstance matters it matters if you win or you lose and that's what and that's it's the most brutal part about the yep. sport you know what i mean there's no like you know, like there's just not a lot of recognition for like doing a good job most of the time. Fight, you know, having, you know, going that way and me sitting there with, you know, collapsed, essentially like a collapsed, mm -hmm. it's an orbital bone. If you guys have heard of an orbital break, right? So it was an orbital break. Um, I got suspended, obviously like, yeah, you can't get punched for a significant amount of time. And so it wasn't only like, okay, like I just took the first loss of my career against a fight I should have, that I was supposed to lose, but that I should, that I feel like I could have won. Um, if, and I just, and it's, but it's all on me. You know what I mean? I made the decision to go up. I made the decision to execute that instead of this. I, you know what I mean? In my life and the reason I'm here is extreme accountability at the end of the day. Like I don't put blame on anybody. I don't care if this dude screwed me because I let, I let him be in a position to screw me and I got to learn that lesson to not let that happen again. You know, I'm the, I am the captain of my ship and I'm, in, and I am responsible for my ship, no matter what happens to that ship in any way, shape or form, it's on me. So make sure the crew's in order, everything else. Like that's, that's, the way I operate my life. I don't go, Oh man, this guy did this. Or what if I could have, no dude, like you made a decision and you got to own it. So fix it. And for me, it was okay. You need to go. And I and entertain that. Maybe I'll stay up at 170. I can live a more comfortable lifestyle. I don't have to do these crazy weight cuts and, you know, hire these nutritionists and no dude, you can do that. And you can be, you can be good. Like, honestly, dude, I could get into the UFC 170 if I kept fighting 170 and I could, and I could win fights there, but that top echelon of big, long, strong dudes. Yeah. That's what I am at 155. You know what I'm saying? And I'd rather be that, you know, yeah. I felt that in that fight. And, you know, while it was a really hard experience, no, it was like, like I said, dude, my whole life, dude, I went, I've dreamed of this since I was in prison, dude. I've dreamed of this for over, did you, since I was a kid, to be honest with you, I've dreamed of that moment, that moment and having it go well. So like to have it not go well was just like earth shattering almost just like, I felt like I dropped the ball so hard. You know what I mean? And it was like my fault. I knew it's, it's like I said, it's my fault. You know what I mean? Like, so how long were you in that kind of, you know, that pit of despair, that lowest low, low until I, until I knocked that guy out six weeks ago. Okay. So, so <laughs> yeah, it's really hard, you know, and I've, yeah. I've already had a couple losses in my, you know, and so I could relate to what he felt, you know, what he felt at that moment. And, um, especially cause like, I remember my first loss was I was fighting my fourth fight in the UFC against the first, uh, champion, you know, and I was like, and I just like, I was, 
you know, I don't know. I, you know, it was hot shit. I was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to lose. I don't see myself losing. So it was hard. It was devastating. I remember I went through a really hard time because I had to sit out for a while after my first loss. And um, for him, it's like, yeah, he had a, 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 you know, fractured orbital, which is what I had before too. And if I, and I just tell us down, but I could like also tell him that, you know, this doesn't last forever and this is a part of it. And it's just like, these, these, these are the tests that you're going to get yep. just similar to how, when I yep. broke my, my form, how bad do you want it? How much are you willing to endure to just keep going? But I think what also helped in the end of it, because he knew no matter what, even though he had lost that fight, that wasn't like the end of it. And if anything, like yeah. almost like lit some more fire like underneath your, your butt to like just keep going, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think what also helped is like two weeks after his fight, um, we went to UFC Noche, which was supposed to be uh, September 16th. That was supposed to originally fight at that uh, fight card, but I ended up not being able to because I was injured. But anyways, at the end of the night, uh, we went to go meet some friends there and uh, we were at one of the... Uh, New York, New York at one of the bars there. And uh, Sean Shelby, the matchmaker, the one who gave me my contract years ago, uh, wow. was there. Uh -huh. Who is also the matchmaker for the UC for Contenders, who gave Mitch the shot for Contenders. Well, he, he we ran into him there. They pretty much chopped it up like that. Like two weeks after his fight, he was able to talk to the, the matchmaker yeah. face to face. And I'd so, seen him before. Like I'd seen him like, his, yeah. like, like we're, we live in Vegas. So I, like I know yeah. who the guy is, but yeah. it's like. I'm never going to be the guy that goes and like bugs the guy who's <laughs> like the yeah, last thing yeah, I want to yeah. be is yeah, that guy. But so. he pretty much told him like, Hey, like you are in our radar. We understand that you were undersized when we, you know, and just giving him that insight, which like most people are not going to have that insight yeah. straight from a matchmaker, someone who's on the inside already, you know? Yeah. And so for him, they told him like, Hey, like you're good. You're a good prospect. We love the way you talk, the way you're on your mic. Go, go to LFA. We need you to keep fighting. Your opportunity is going to come. You're there. Either, either you're going to get a shortness, but like stay ready. And yeah. so wow. I feel like that, that motivating to you. Oh yeah. yeah. Wait, he told me. I don't even know what I said. I think I was just like, I was like, hey man, uh, I just I, I just thanked him. I said, thank you for the opportunity, you know, because I've been shouting for this opportunity for so long. You guys finally gave it to me, which I really appreciate. And I hope, and I also said like, I hope uh, I didn't, you know, make you guys feel disrespected or anything in a kind of way. I figured that you guys like that type of like, you know, I, you know, go for it kind of thing. So that was my intention. Hope I didn't piss anybody off with doing that. Just know that I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to fight in the UFC. This is my dream. I'm not stopping, you know, but uh I'm, I'm going back down to 55. That's not my weight class. You know, kind of just like, you know, he's like, yeah, we know. He's like, honestly, as soon as you, as soon as you stepped in there, we were like, I was like, that's a 55er and that's a 70 pounder. The mistake I made in that fight was I wanted to be exciting. I had the guy on the ground. I had him controlled. And rather than settling on him and letting him like burn himself out, trying to get up and then taking him back down, which was what the plan was, let him think he's going to get away and take him down again and let him think he's going to take down again until he breaks. And then I'm going to hammer him to pieces. Mm -hmm. That was the plan. But instead I took him down. While he had all of his all of his fortitude on him and started trying to hit him, and I lost my position, and he got away from me, right? Because I didn't want to just lay on him, right? It's a contender series, but I don't just want to lay on him. When it's like at the end of the day, dude, you need to win this fight, and you're undersized, and you're up against it. And I should have just laid on the guy and waited for him to get tired and been boring. You know what I mean? Honestly, maybe maybe not, but yeah. I mean, at, at, at the, the end of the day, day I, I got my face broken for my trouble, so maybe I, you know what I mean? I should have, but yeah. um, you know, looking back on it, it was like okay, like it's one thing to be exciting, it's one thing to be stupid. You know, you can, you can settle for 30 seconds. You don't need to, you know what I'm saying? Like you can get a warning and then go, you know, you don't have to, you know what I mean? You can be smarter about this. You don't have to, I think I fought too emotionally, you know? So while the, the loss sucked, it was like so necessary for me to be where I am right now. And as good as I am right now, um, because it, it just, it just changed. Like I said, it changed my whole perspective, that high level of a fight against that high level of an opponent, having the success obviously builds confidence in that, but also like. The knowing that like I I I should I should have won that. I legitimately could have won that fight. 
Like I know I could have won that fight. When I felt him, I knew I could beat him there. You know, like that was that was a fair fight. The best guy I've ever fought, and he's like, mark my words, that guy will be he's gonna he's fights here in like February, I think. I think he fights this month in the UFC in his debut. He'll be somebody, he's really good. Really? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, he's that, really that's good. That's what people keep saying. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. really good. And 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 that and aside from that, you know what I mean? Uh, everybody's really good at this point. But once you touch the top of that mound and you realize, like, oh yeah, this is we're good, you know, honestly. That wasn't even a hard punch he hit me with, dude. It was his little knuckle that went in my eyeball. Like, I remember feeling it and being like, oh, I thought he poked me. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, boom, you rocked me. And I, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it was like this dumb little punch and the knuckle went literally, like, I had a bruise on my eyelid from where it hit my eyeball. Like, it, it was like this. Like, boom. Like, and it, dude, and it was like, I can remember when it happened and being like, oh, I'm immediate double vision, like a broken TV on this side. Like, it was like super messed up and out of focus and. And then talking to them and then saying that too, it was like, basically told me, Hey, look, make weight, go down, go down to your weight class, make weight and get a win and we'll, and we'll find a spot for you. You know? So literally everybody was like, wait, wait, no, you have a broken orbital. You, if you get punched again, you might have to have a surgery and have everybody, honestly, she wanted me to wait. <laughs> my sponsors I, wanted me to wait. I everybody wanted my me to wait. orbital before and yeah. you know, you don't want to lose your eye. Like, yeah. you know, that's, like that's literally, yeah. That's, yeah, I've, yeah, I've that been through it. Because like, yeah. I yeah. knew what it felt like. Like I've, you know, like I said, just seeing double vision mm. and just like, they're trying to figure out whether you need surgery or not. And like, yeah, I this dude, I, this didn't, close this dude okay, this dude went to go see a specialist like two weeks out of, like a week after his fight. They're like, yeah, you fractured it. You might need surgery. You might not. You know, we'll see. We'll come in two weeks later. Comes in. They didn't even like do another imaging. They're like, how do you feel? Do you still see double vision? Not cool. All right, well, you're good then. <laughs> like, I'm like, dude, like, no, like, this is it. Like, this is, this is like That's a dope. normal person recovery. Like, you're going to get punched in the eye again. Like, you got to make sure that get another imaging to make sure that you're clear. And they're like, no, nah, I'm good. And I was like, all right, well, I mean, don't listen to me then, you know? <laughs> Everybody was like, don't do it. And I was like, nah, dude, I'm doing it. Yeah, like, I'm, I got to get another I'm freaking glad. fight in. I'm pissed, you know? You went in there and dominated. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, I just was like, and it was like on the wire, dude. Honestly, mm. like I signed that fight. First day I was cleared to spar again and I wore, and I wore my headgear and it went pretty well, right? I didn't have any eye issues in the, in the rounds. The next, that, that next day is the day I got the contract for the fight in like six weeks. Mm. Right. So it was like re I mean, that was like on the wire. Like if anything goes wrong, like you're gonna have to pull out. I, I went back to my old self, dude. You know, I feel like one of my mistakes in the camp and the fight that I lost was I passed the responsibility. Like I said, you know, like mm. I am the captain of my ship. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you give the, the reins to the first mate and he AWOLs you or screws up and your ship crashes, it's still your ship, Yep. you yep. know? So like, that's all, that's your fault. You know, you chose the wrong man or whatever else. And, and I just felt like I wasn't vocal for what I needed in that camp. And, and when things weren't going the way that I needed them to, I didn't correct them. Mm. I kind of just like let it play out and just kind of like tried to like compartmentalize me. Like it's, it'll be fine. Okay. I'm going to go work with this guy and I'm going to work with this guy, but I know I'm not doing enough of this and I know I'm not getting enough of this because this guy's gone and that guy's gone. And now it was just like a lot of chaos in my camp with like coaches traveling and you know, I'm on a big team. So there's a lot of stuff going on. I just knew that I wasn't preparing like I should. And I, and I, and that in the way I needed to, and I just like, I, I could feel it, but I just knew that I was going to just go in there and do my best at the end of the day with, with what I was doing, what I had at this point in my career, dude, I will do what I need to do to win and I will be successful. And I don't have to ask anybody's permission and I don't report to fucking anybody but me at the end of the day. I'm the one that straps these gloves on and, and, and fights people. And I mean, I'm the one that has to wake up in the morning and run those miles and only eat that broccoli and only, you know what I mean? And go to bed at nine and not go and hang out and not do these things. Like that's my life. So I'm not sacrificing that to let somebody else be the one that makes the, gives either that final 1% or not.
Like I'm the hundred percent, you know, this is what I realized. And like all my success in my career to this point has been extreme accountability of like, I don't care if I, if I coach can't make it, dude, I'll figure it out. I flipped it back on myself. You know, I, I went back to who I was when I first got out of prison, when nobody believed in me and I didn't have anything. And I was just an ex-convict that was trying to be something different that no, that honestly, nobody, nobody believed. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And that was like, that was the mentality I put myself in was like, nobody gives a shit, dude. You're only as good as your last fight. You know what I mean? You can fuck this up. Yeah. This is not a guarantee. Yeah. You can absolutely, you, you can drop the ball, dude. You can really drop the ball here and you can go right back to who you were like that. You better never forget that shit. That's, uh, that's, that's where I've been, you know, and that's, and I'm grateful to be here, you know, obviously here on the podcast and everything, but it's grateful to be in the space of having come through that, I guess. Because yeah. the last time I was here, yeah, I was, I mean, I was still in a good spot and everything, but I feel like that loss trend, like literally transformed me in a way of like, okay, dude, like, I don't know, dude. It just, yeah. It just, it just changed me, dude. You get, you, you go through that, dude. I don't know with all the other things I've been through to feel like it was just like, oh, it was so intense to lose that fight for me. It felt like a defining moment. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah this, did. this last fight was definitely, it was, and people don't re realize too, like that fight was the LFA feature fight. This is our biggest feeder organization. You're fighting at the Palms, right? It's on UFC fight pass. You know, you're fighting an undefeated guy, you know, who really thinks he can beat you, you know, and everybody's watching. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was almost more, honestly, it was more pressure than my contender series. Though. Interesting. I felt yeah. more pressure going into this last one than did the contender series because I dropped the ball and I knew I was mortal now. Does that make sense? Yes. Like I, I knew I was mortal. I knew if I zig instead of zag, I can, I can be killed, you know, like it gone bad. So now yeah. I understand that, you know, and that's the way I look at cage fighting. Honestly, dude, like you get finished in there, you died, bro. Mm. If this is 2000 years ago. That's a death. So I've suffered that's death. So true. That's, that's what I'm so serious. True. Like, dude, 100%. there's no ref there. Yeah. You just died. Gladiator. Yep. You just Gladiator died. Shit, yeah. And I, you know, so at this point in the game, I've killed 13 and I've died once. It's like, I, but we get to respawn because there's refs. Yes. Right. Yes. We respawn. That's the that's cool part, right? So we, don't, true. we don't have to, it's not ancient Rome, dude. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not over when they throw the thumb down now. That's so you true. You know, but that's yeah. what, that's, that's the truth though. Bro, that mindset is going to take you so far that life is happening for you versus life is happening to you. Yeah. No, it's seriously. It's going to take you so far for and i think that's what cynthia talks about too people are like you didn't go to prison you're too motivational you're too positive to to have gone through something like that you know okay. because most people will let that define them for the rest of their lives yeah you know god didn't give you that lesson bless you with that lesson to grow from it somebody caused that to happen and now poor me victim mindhood mindset right yeah victimhood my life is so shitty because my mom or my dad or my and that's why this is so pleasurable to talk to you guys because from your end, the way that you talk about your parents, although they were not perfect, they were a gift for you. Tried you their best I mean? and they showed me, you know, just resiliency. But I think it's like, you know, with life, it's like you're, there's a saying like in the Stoics, it's like amora fati, amora fati, which is like love of fate. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, basically, it's like you can decide to be, you know, the victim of it, or you can just love everything that you, you learn to love what you have in front of it and understand that that's a growing point. And that's how you're going to get to the next level of your life. Or you can say treading water and stay in the same place and just feel sorry for yourself and drown. Yeah. You know, or you can just visual find beauty in the struggle, yeah. you know, and understand that, like, look at it in a different perspective. Like, okay, I have this problem in front of me. But God, I want to be so much better when I get through it versus if I avoid it and I do something else just to numb the pain or forget about it. Yeah. Because it just gets worse, right? Because the deeper hole. Yeah. But if like, you just got, you got to keep fighting. You got to yeah. be fighting. You got to choose, you know, whether are you going to be a victim or are you going to be a fighter? 
And then that's just something you got to hold with yourself for the rest of your life. What's the alternative? No matter what. Like, no, yeah. Honestly. What's the alternative? You die. That's what I'm saying. You, yeah. can, you can choose. Yeah. You can choose. You can, you know, two people have the same path, go through the same shit, have the same problems, have a whole different mentality. One person can still be happier than the other, you know, just depending on how, what your mindset is when your perspective is in life. So you got to always constantly work. You got to figure out how, how, how are you going to keep leveling up in life with different perspectives, different, different types of tools. And you got to continue to have those aspirations and keep trying because then like, you're not, you're not going to regret doing that for yourself, but you are going to regret not trying hard enough and trying to deal with your problems head on. Just, you know, making that commitment with yourself and what type of lifestyle you want to have. You know, do you want to be miserable and, you know, and just like, like lean into the darkness mm-hmm. or do you want to have a better perspective and learn how to better yourself and be able to like help people. So your purpose is to go through that shit and be able to help everybody else who's coming up underneath you. It's hard at the time when we're going in through it, but then once we get, we overcome that and we've like kind of become into the person that we are, you know, truly meant to be, like we find purpose and like understanding that we're going to be here to help plenty, so many people, yeah. you know, like just like uh, a couple of weeks ago, we both went to uh, uh, middle school, uh, Gunder, Gunder, Gunderson High School uh-huh. and here in, uh, in Vegas in the Southwest area and, you know, we both went and go went to go talk to kids, you know, and told our story and we were able to like relate with them, you know, and it's that's like, probably super fulfilling. It, it's yeah. it, it is. You know what I mean? It's like it's I love that we get to do that together, that we have we both have like a crazy, awesome stories in different ways, because like more so me, I get to relate to more like women and, you know, the girls and like he's gets to relate to a lot of the young guys have been through the same stuff. So it's like it's really cool to be able to go there and we both can hit each part. Like, you know, I can. Yeah, that is cool. Some of them, like when I'm saying something, they're not there. And then as soon as she like it's like the like different, like different flavors a little bit, you know, and like different kind of focuses, you know, of, of like, you know, what we what our stories are, but like in a but similar, you know, so. We, uh, we both are people that uh, enjoy helping people at the end of the day too, you know? And that's why I think like where, like I said, like we're the same type of fighter You know, the motivation for fighting comes from like, okay, like I'm not just like, I'm like, for me, you know, I'll, I'll speak for myself. Like when I, when I fight and I get on that mic and I say that stuff, like none of that is written out. I've never written a script. I didn't write a note for this. I've never written a note for a single sp- speech I've ever done other than like bullet points that I don't look at when I'm up there. <laughs> yeah. And I completely forget no, about no, no. Yeah, yeah. everything you've ever yeah. seen me do on a microphone is completely off off the cuff because it's genuine. It's my story and it's my truth. And that's all it needs to be. And like, yeah, like, okay, like there's, it's good to like, you know, get bullet points out and figure out what you're talking about if you're doing like a longer speech and things like that. But like these moments, it's just me being honest of how I feel, why I'm doing this. And a big part of that is like, Man, I have been not like I've been in multiple times in my life of like not wanting to exist. You know what I'm saying? Like so miserable and just in such a state, whether it was drug addiction or prison or whatever else, where it's like I could not see the light in the end of the tunnel. You know, and, I'm, and I know that there's a lot of people that are listening to this that might be in the same situation in their life. And one of the reasons why I share this stuff and why I get on that mic after is because once I took that extreme accountability and I stopped blaming other people and I started realizing like, no, I am a symptom of my own shit. Yep. You know what I mean? Like I'm putting myself in these situations and they're going badly. So stop putting yourself in these situations, figure it out. You know, that was when my life changed and started to change. And I started to, and I started to be able to not just see the end of the tunnel, but now I've had some of the most insane, gratifying, beautiful moments, like, like life moments that I feel like a lot of people never get to feel that level of like, you did it, dude. Like you accomplished something that scared you, scared you, you know, and it's continuing and it's only, you know, and for me, it's like, I'm only, I'm only going to keep going further with it, but 
I really, I just know that I'm not like I am who I am. You know what I mean? We all have our talents and our things, but like everybody does. Yes. And everybody can feel this, like the way that I felt from where I felt like, so if you're like in a spot where you're, you don't, you can't see the end of the tunnel, but you can just get yourself to put one foot in front of the other, you know, and you can start to work towards something honestly and hold yourself accountable, truly accountable, you know, you can, you can reach a level of like accomplishment and joy and fulfillment that you can't even understand, you know? And I just want people to feel that like, really, I want, I want other guys and girls like me that have been kicked when they were down and been, you know, shouldn't have made it. I want them to feel the happiness that I've been able to attain that yeah. I didn't think I could ever attain. And that's why I grabbed that mic. And that's why I say I've been to fucking prison. I've shot heroin. I've done all this shit. I've done terrible things. I've done good things, but I love my life now. And I really love helping people, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's my message, man, is your life can change in ways that you don't even, uh, you don't, you don't even understand if you're just willing to be brave and look at yourself honestly. That's powerful. You guys are both inspirational and mo motivational. Also, I just want to thank you guys for taking this Friday night and coming and, and, you know, on a short notice to do this podcast. It was, it was awesome. This is, this was a, a great experience for me. I'm sure everyone listening is going to say the same thing and watching. Um, what do you guys have going on? Cynthia, you have a fight coming up. Yeah, I'm about nine weeks out. I'm fighting April 6th here in Vegas at the apex. So I'm really stoked, dude. I'm like in it just grinding, you know, we had a long day, but I'm happy that we were able to come in and come talk to you and just like share a story, you know, so it's always a good way to just sit still because we're always just moving. Yeah. Just moving. And no no one would have been able to tell that you guys came off of two days. You had two a day? You had yeah, two I had two today? training sessions and shit. we also just like turned yeah. in our last yeah, place. Moved. We moved. Oh, shoot. So just I just turned in the keys, yeah. went home, Dang. ate, and then come straight awesome. here. Yeah. So we've been... Yeah. We've been grinding, dude, but, you know, I, I, I love it. You know, sometimes, you know, you, you got to you gotta stay busy, you know, because otherwise, you know, if you don't work hard, you're going to have shit going on. Life's not going to be worth it. 100%. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What you got going on? Uh, as of right now, nothing booked, but hoping to fight. We're in the process of trying to book a fight for either March or April uh, with the intention of just, you know, my where I'm at in my career is just uh, I'm just going to keep fighting. At the end of the day, I'm a professional fighter. I'm pretty freaking good at this and I just need to fight. So. I'll be fighting three to four times a year for the rest of my career, you know, and that's what it's going to be. And if it's here, if it's there, it doesn't matter. Uh, but this next one, I think will probably be for the LFA again. Okay. They were saying that they want to match me again. So probably March or April. And then hopefully, you know, not, I never wish ill fate upon anybody, but you know, a lot of the times guys get hurt training for fights, they get sick training for fights and then uh, they need replacements. And there's a lot of uh, Las Vegas UFC cards coming up in the next few months. So okay. I'll be ready. If they, if somebody gets sick, somebody drops out, your man's going to answer the call and get himself a contract. So that's the plan. Let's go. Where can people find yeah. you, Mitch? Uh, Instagram is what I'm mostly on at Mitch underscore Ramirez. What about, what about you, <laughs> Cynthia? <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on Instagram, uh, Cynthia.Calvillo. I'm also on Facebook, Cynthia Calvillo. And then TikTok, I just go on whatever he shows me. Like I, you're, you're, not, you're not on TikTok. No, dude. Like I am not. I'm, I'm sure not. you even got a hashtag. If we looked up your 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 name on a hashtag, I'm sure you probably I'm, got I mean, a ton of posts. People like posting about you. 
yeah. on TikTok. I mean, I just I know how TikTok has yeah. gotten like so big and like I I just haven't got into it. I think that uh I'm just not great with, with yeah. social media and um I don't want to get addicted to like keep getting addicted <laughs> to social media because people get addicted to it, you oh, know? Because I catch myself all the time. Well, I look I'll be looking at videos just, all the time, but then I was like, if I get TikTok, then I was like, dude, that's gonna take another freaking that's gonna have another four hours, you know what I mean? Like one hundred percent. One. I'm just, just going to become a vegetable. That's how you got to make a commitment to create and not consume. I yeah. know. Create, <laughs> not consume. Don't get high off we your own supply. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> we need to like yeah. structure it out. Honestly, yeah. I feel like we're both people that like we do well with structure. When we don't have structure, like we have the hyper focus. We also got the ADHD. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, dude, I'll go to like, oh, this post is going to be sick. And then like a week later, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, girl. that draft. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh. That's shoot. where TikTok gets you, bro. Yeah. As soon as you open it, it's just you. you it's the dog video. I'm going to post. Oh, wait. What was I doing? You, you know what? I'm going to think about this caption for a second. Yeah. Two yeah. weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, hey, research this like, this, like, hashtag strategy for me, right? And he's like, I was like, okay. And I'm like, reading it. And then, like, he looks over and he's like, you got sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard not to. It's, it's so dude, they yeah, yeah. they know they what know they're what doing. Yeah, yeah. They know what they're doing, dude. And not in a good way. Not yeah, no, way. yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Give me anxiety. Uh, All right, guys, thank you again for coming on. And you guys listening, watching, if we brought you any value today, please like, subscribe, and share this episode with anyone that you think is going to get value from these two superstars. Um, packed with motivation, inspiration. Until next time, peace.